1: Hello, everyone. Summertime is here. We are going to run a Rewind episode today. We are going way, way back into our vault. You will definitely enjoy this one, Louise, so we need some time to catch up. Remember, I didn't let Paula retire like she wanted to. I can say that she is probably more busy now than when she was working full time. She still produces content for the Beacon Journal and this podcast. During the summer, we may have to plug in some of these but I promise I will bring you the best of the best. Now with this one, I remember how much fun this was to record. Paula and I went all the way out to Minerva to interview our guest. It was really cool as we spent the whole evening talking about this creature and the drive home among the dark wooded areas was pretty creepy. Enjoy. You just heard a clip from the song right now by Daniel Rylander, a musical artist from Northeast Ohio. Daniel is our featured artist tonight so at the end of the podcast, we'll play the whole song for you and we'll tell you how you can learn more about his music and upcoming performances. And if you're making original music in Ohio, we'd love to feature you right here on Ohio Mysteries. Just shoot us an email on over to feedback at dot com and tell us a little bit about yourself. What if you heard someone pelting your house with rocks, then investigated to find yourself face-to-face with a large hairy beast on two legs? It was only a matter of time before we got to this topic. You know what we're talking about, especially if you're a BFF, Bigfoot fan. So throw another log on the fire and settle in, campers. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder. And with me is our storyteller, award-winning journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years researching these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal.
0: Hi everyone. But Steve, I'm not going to be your main storyteller tonight. With us is another award-winning journalist, Barbara Galloway, a former reporter with the Akron Beacon Journal and a retired teacher with the Alliance School District. Thanks for being with us, Barb. You're very welcome, glad to be here. In 1978, Steve, Barb was the first journalist to bring to light police reports that were being filed over sightings of a creature of unknown origin that has come to be called the Minerva Monster. She also served as a consultant for a 2015 documentary of the same name. So, Barb... Steve mentioned Bigfoot, but the people who witnessed this thing over a number of years always seemed careful not to use that term, and that always impressed me. They need to be accurate and, and not hyperbolic. So we're going to put aside the word Bigfoot for now. So Barb, set the stage for us, the geographic location, Minerva. What is this community, this area like? It's kind of the epitome
2: of a rural community, and in all the best ways, too. We've been here 42 years, but we're newbies. Uh, The folks who settled this uh, area, um, my younger son was a history major and he researched this. The uh, folks in here were mostly German immigrants. And so, for instance, our neighbors and friends, uh, the Hans, uh, their families uh, were deeded their farm by Jefferson. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah and wow, real historical um, connection so it was there. settled
2: by mostly Germans and it became a farm area uh, right off the bat down here uh, by the railroad tracks there was a place called Moultrie and you look in plat maps in the 1718 hundreds and there was an entire village there with houses right next to each other a sawmill a feed mill a grist mill uh, it was a booming little community there what I like about it is I go down to Minerva to shop, and people know you, and suddenly you've got five folks in the butcher department uh, of Kishman's, you know, helping you find this and that, and helping you cut up your meat in just the right size, and they carry your groceries out. and That small-town charm. Yeah, and then you go to the... Uh, the, to the yoder store and um they, yeah. they know you too and uh they will help you you know find the latest things and they've got lots of local things like local honey um living lettuce that is grown on a, a, a horticulture farm uh not too far from here in, in a greenhouse yeah, it's. Uh, is there any the other
0: industry around here other than agricultural? Is everybody related agriculture in um, some way, or is there like a big? It's commercial more, enterprise. It's doing something really else. really no more or,
2: commercial enterprise anymore. There's okay. a coal for. Um, there's a couple of shops, a couple of factories, but they're kind of downsizing nowadays. Um, so there was industry. There was the creek. There, uh, you know, in the canal days. Uh, and then there was the railroad and um so all of those things have gone that made made it a booming community in the first place and so the agriculture and the farming community is kind of what's left after everything else has disappeared i guess
1: that's interesting that you know like she's describing she's going into uh, a store and they're helping her carry her groceries and uh... I've never seen that. I've grown up in Akron, so mm-hmm. that's that's yeah, that doesn't happen pretty wild. <laughs> it's still there. You know? It's still going on.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously, being a, an agricultural community, this is a community that spends a lot of time outdoors. They know they're outdoors, mm-hmm. and they know what's supposed to be going on out there,
2: Right.
0: which is why it might be a little bit more believable when somebody stands up and says, I saw something I've never seen before Mm -hmm. outdoors. Mm -hmm. Let's get to know you. We are podcasting from your home in Minerva. Is this Minerva or, or Paris Township? Technically, Minerva address is
2: West Township in Columbiana County. All right. And were you living here in 1978? Yes, I was. And I had just started at the Beacon Journal in that January. Oh, so you
0: were a cub reporter. I was a cub reporter. And still living on a farm. And living on a farm. Now, clearly we can see this is a farm, and so you must be pretty familiar with all manner of animals, domestic and wild. That was the reason that I was assigned the story.
2: Because I lived on a farm, I got every animal story that came along. So this
0: one came to an editor's attention. Tell us about the day you were assigned to this. What did the Beacon know at that point? What did they say to you when they wanted you to cover this? A
2: correspondent had gone to the Star County Sheriff's Department and found this report um, where the family had reported that their German Shepherd dog had been found pulled out of its collar and a few feet away lying dead, and they didn't know how that could have possibly happened. And Steve mentioned uh, there's uh, incidents of somebody pelting their house And then um, this unusual ammonia-like smell that they kept smelling. They thought there was vandals uh, possibly in the area, and that's kind of the reason that they had gotten this German Shepherd dog in the first place from a neighbor. There had been some vandalism. The family was next to a trailer park, so when they called the sheriff's department after seeing this big hairy thing, uh, they did not know if it was somebody dressed up in a gorilla suit harassing them, attacking them, you know, planning to vandalize the house, steal something, break in, or whatever. But they were very frightened, so uh, that's why let's, they. Ended let's up go back that. to
0: some of the specifics there. Now you mm-hmm. said. They got the dog for some protection because Mm -hmm. they had already been experiencing this. Do you know how long that had been going on before they called the police? Uh, This was was
2: in August of 78, and I guess that summer there had been some vandalism among the neighbors and um, the folks in the trailer park next door. And what did the vandalism amount to? Breaking in, stealing this and that, or, you know, just vandalizing them. Houses, things like that. So this
0: ultimately was not something that they were going to credit with the, the hairy beast. That they, they actually had human vandals in yeah. the area that they got yeah. the dog for. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: But when they saw this thing, um, they didn't know if it was somebody, a vandal dressed up in a monkey suit or something. Right. Or whatever. But this And it scared them enough that they all ran into the house and, and called the sheriff's department. So that is how the report
0: started. So this comes to you. Basically, it's a police report at this mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And your editor says, go down to Minerva and, and check this out. Mm-hmm. And was the family willing to talk to you? Were they? Yes, they were. They were very good. Um, uh,
2: deputy at the time, now Captain, retired, uh, James Shannon, uh, was the one from the Sheriff's Department assigned to it. And he was down there also. And uh, the late Ted Walls, our photographer, Um, was down there with me, taking pictures many times. And we went back and went back uh, and interviewed the family as these stories developed. Other neighbors in the area started seeing it, too. It came across the road and uh, was in somebody's
0: headlights, and they reported it also. Um, Now, the original family, they were the Catons, Catons, right? And there were several of them, right? Yes. So they had many eyewitnesses to that original report Yeah that was called into the police yes they
2: came on a weekend or they reported it on a weekend when their adult children always came for the weekend to visit and there were some neighbors there
0: uh, and some other relatives so there was a, a fairly large group um so let's get into home. the details of that very night did it start with the pelting of the rocks
2: uh, yeah it kind of started with the pelting of the rocks and they had been experiencing that
0: hearing rocks hitting their homes for a couple of weeks. So they're sitting in the in the house um, and it sounds like someone's tossing uh-huh. rocks at them. What do they what do
2: they do? And then it happened that the kids were outside. Howie Caton, who's in the documentary, was a teenager at the time and some of his friends and the neighbor kids were outside playing and then they saw this huge uh, thing on the bank. It was a strip mine in back of their house. And so it was all grown over with multiflora rows and weeds and everything and there was this huge being they always called it the creature. Was it daylight? Could they see um, it or was It was becoming dusk? Okay. So they could so they had to see it light. yeah. How did they describe it? And they always described it in exactly the same way. And Denny Haas, one of our Beacon Journal artists, actually came down and interviewed all these folks who had seen it, including some of the neighbors, did a drawing, um, sort of like a police drawing, a police sketch. They all described it exactly the same way. They could not see facial features. They described it as over six feet, maybe approaching seven feet, covered with hair, but yet they could tell that it was very muscular. Um, They always described it as having a big upper torso and kind of short bowed legs. And they always described it with uh, its hands with palms out. And so when Danny came down to talk to these folks, he got the same description from every single one of them.
1: I want to be clear,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I was three years old at this time. I understand (laughs) that I am six foot seven. 300 pounds, uh-huh. but I was three years old at the time. I was not around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, listeners, you can't see Steve, but we do have our own Bigfoot right. here. Right, I wear
1: size 18 shoes. And so, he does well, have some yeah, scruff. Yeah. <laughs> you That's could have right. been a
0: suspect. If you, you would have been a suspect. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, you said they couldn't see facial features. Mm-hmm. That's not because it was dark. That's because there was because hair, the hair in front of its face?
2: Okay. And another reason that they called the Sheriff's Department was that after they had seen this thing initially up on the bank, they all ran inside. Mrs. Caton, and I think her husband had gotten a shotgun. Uh, And I think it was a nephew who got a handgun because they were really frightened. And they were all sitting around the kitchen table. And the next thing you know, this thing appears at the window, at the kitchen window. It, It seems to be looking in at them. And there's a floodlight right above the window, so they can see it very clearly. And they can see that, no, we can't see eyes, just the hairy features of the face. Were they clear on how close it was to their window? Within a few feet. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. That's scary. Yes. And it, it seemed to be looking. Again, be, they couldn't see their, its eyes, but they, it seemed to be looking in at them. And
0: I You know, I a forget. couple of nights ago I heard noises and I in the middle of the night and I opened my curtain and there were two skunks mating <laughs> about five That's feet. That's scary too. And that terrified me. I can't even imagine what I probably would have ran screaming from mm-hmm. the house if I'd pulled that curtain mm-hmm. back and saw some six, seven foot beast with hair on its face staring yeah. back at me. And there so, was no curtain. They yeah. could
2: see it very clearly. And one of them, uh, perhaps the nephew, um, pointed a gun at it, and it didn't move. And it didn't move for quite some time, and then it sort of wandered away on its own. And that told them at the time, okay, it's not somebody dressed up in a gorilla suit trying to scare us. It's not a person, because the person would have
0: run. My
1: dad would do that. My dad would, you know, put on a gorilla mask and scare his kids. You know.
0: <laughs> would he? Yeah. Did he ever pull a shotgun on you?
1: No, unfortunately, no. <laughs> no, he you didn't. Know.
0: If he did, you would have flinched, That's right? That's right. I would have flinched. Mm-hmm. I, would I mean, flinched. are you are you kind of impressed that I mean this thing did not flinch and did not run away? Does that tell you something?
1: Yeah, it tells me it was it, it's it was obviously something that wasn't human. I mean, obviously humans have a reaction to when you're pointing a gun at them, or with somebody who's really really drunk.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think how, yeah, even if you're drunk, I'm, I don't know how you stop from having some reaction to somebody lifting a shotgun at mm-hmm. you. And this thing, they say, had no reaction. Had no reaction and That's just an wandered off it felt no. like it. Wow.
2: Um, so at that point, they called the sheriff's department and uh, Captain Shannon and his partner showed up. And when he got out of the car, he remembers the intense ammonia sulfur type smell. Let's get
1: into that. Why is that important?
2: Because later on, at this time, Bigfoot was kind of an unknown. They had just invented the term Bigfoot and it was, you know, somebody out in Washington state uh, who had seen it and it was not widely known or, you know, people didn't huh. really know about Bigfoot in those days. Later on, there was quite a few reports that this was one of the things associated with
1: the ammonia it was smell sightings
0: was the ammonia type sulfur smell. When I heard that, I thought maybe maybe it's maybe it's urine. I mean, maybe it's something it that smelled like
2: the the swamp in the the strip mine that was overgrown and just, you know, left after they stripped it uh, for coal um, kind of smelled like that. So it might have been an indication that this thing was living was there living and there. bringing the smell with it. And uh, the thing that I found odd, being on a farm and being familiar with animals and woods and things like that, is um, in back of their uh, house, as you walked up the the bank of the strip mine pit, um, and Captain Shannon was the one who found this because he and his partner came with uh, Jeeps and everything and explored the whole area in the the next days. Um, But he found this one peculiar area uh, right at the edge of the strip mine pit, um, where it was completely overgrown with multiflora rose. And on the farm, we're very familiar with that. It was
0: multiflora, multiflora rose? rose. And
2: I think it was you know planted as a way to get rid of other weeds at some point, but then it became a noxious weed of itself. It's thorny, and it just is thick, and you can't even get through it if, if you... Come out the other side of a multiflora rose bush that you walk through, you were going to look like you've been a victim of the slasher or something. So I thought it was very odd that we found a hollowed out, it almost looked like somebody had cut all the multiflora rose in about a six foot around area. It was at least as tall as me. I was five foot four. Um, sort of like a tunnel? Sort of like a tunnel leading to the bottom of this strip mine. And at the bottom of it, there was all these crushed leaves and branches and things like that, as though something had been sleeping there. And we thought, what in the world would have tunneled out of the multiflora rose and be, you know, camping out at the bottom? It went down about eight feet. So it kind of looked
0: like bedding.
2: Kind of looked like an animal had been sleeping there. All
0: right. Did it look like a big animal? Like a big animal. Did you see
2: it yourself? Yes. Okay. And so uh, Captain Shannon. And I had um,
0: looked at it quite frequently and were trying to figure it out. Do you remember his reaction to those scenes, the the, the tunnel through the multiflora rose, the bedding that smashed down? What was Captain Shannon's, you know, what was he, he expressing at that time? Um, he
2: kept saying even 40 years later that... Um, He was so impressed with these folks because they were genuinely frightened and they all told the same story and there was no sign that um, they were making this up or that they had, you know, schemed to make some sort of hoax or anything like that. They were genuinely afraid. They were genuinely disturbed. And he didn't know what he was looking for or how to explain it, but he was investigating in a very serious manner. Like I said, him and his partner um, brought jeeps in and looked all over the area. Then, in the next several days, we spent Ted Walls and I and um, Deputy Shannon spent I don't know how many nights on the Caton's front porch, waiting to see if this thing would possibly show up. Unfortunately, it didn't. While you we wanted it to throw
1: rocks at you. We were waiting. <laughs> we were
2: targets. We were we were out there, but he he took some hair samples. Now where did he find the hair? On the on a nail that was sticking out of an old chicken coop. Was this in the vicinity of where they right saw next the, to the creature? House, right next to the house. Okay. Right next to the garden. There were often big footprints in the garden and I don't know if it was him or some bigfoot study person who came in and tried to make a plaster cast of the of the footprints and failed. Um, so we never got Did you that. or he
0: see the footprint?
2: No. but um, The Caton saw it? The Caton saw it, and somebody else did come in and try to make a plaster cast of
0: it. Now, would um, they have recognized, I mean, are they hunters? Would they have recognized, no. like, oh, that's a bear footprint, if it no. was?
2: The Ohio Department of Natural Resources, uh, Division of Wildlife, I talked to them quite a bit, and they said, no, it cannot possibly be a bear um, there's no bears in this vicinity or, or things like that. Um, no bobcats, no, not bobcats, um, no mountain lions, things like that. So
0: no, wow, so they were ruling out they a were, lot they of the things you would immediately go to. But
2: Cap, our uh, deputy Shannon at the time had um, the hair sample and some other things. He found a jawbone, which turned out to be a cow's, but uh, he sent them to Malone College um to a biology professor there to be analyzed and the biology professor could not identify what the hair samples came from um is there a reason there would be a cow jawbone in that area would that be normal because yeah there was cows in that area and it was sort of a pasture for a while i guess so yeah that was so
1: the monster wanted some steak or (laughs) Did did you find a bottle of a1 sauce back there
2: far as we know he was a vegetarian 'cause okay. after all that's this, interesting after all this settled down and the catons unfortunately were just harassed mercilessly after these reports came out and after harassed my, by other people other people media media not so much media but other people came the the bigfoot hunters and the crazies came after my stories went out on the wire suddenly they were getting reporters calling from japan france everywhere in the united states and the bigfoot hunters and ted walls has a picture um, with one of the stories of one of these yahoos with their rifle and their beer and their dobermans who are going to show up and kill bigfoot and
0: and these aren't necessarily people from this area they're coming in from around the country all over the place
1: you need beer you need beer to hunt Mm -hmm. (laughs) bigfoot Yes. yes
2: So um, eventually, Deputy Shannon and his partner were kind of uh, forced to keep people out rather than just being down there investigating. They had to keep people out. But yeah, after I did the stories and they went out on the wire,
0: everybody descended and, and they I, what, were really harassed. So the first thought of these guys is, let's go let's go find it and shoot it? Yes. That was their first thought, well, That's yes. horrifying. So, I know. mean, if we were fortunate enough to mm-hmm. find another species they were gonna say. they want to kill it your first thought oh we gotta kill it drink <laughs> beer we well you know what if, you're gonna, if you're gonna kill yes. the only example of a, of a new mm-hmm. species you better be drunk when you do it yes. right. there's no other right. excuse right. for that so yes there
2: was quite a bit of that so after that they did not want to be interviewed anymore they sort of dropped out of public eye they did let me interview them, I think, one or two years later for sort of an anniversary story because they trusted me. But um, after that, they didn't want to. But I remember talking to Mrs. Caton and she said she would all, often put out vegetables and then see these big footprints in the morning in her
0: garden and the vegetables would be gone. So oh, that's, that's awesome. Vegetarian. Vegetarian. Don't think he's going I to feel care. a lot better, actually. I won't be afraid now. Yeah. If I no. see Bigfoot, no. If I see Bigfoot, I'm not going to be afraid. If what about a on a ride home?
1: What if you see him on a ride home?
0: I, I don't have anything any vegetables to give him, but okay. I'm not going to feel like he to eat me. I'm to bet you're going to be
1: scared. <laughs>
0: TV. I'm not going to be scared. I'm going to pull out my cell phone. You didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> we don't have, have bear.
1: Phones. We do not have bear or a gun in the vehicle. So
0: That's okay. We okay. have you. All right. And you are his match. <laughs>
1: That's true. That's
0: true. You are true. about the same height, <laughs> and you got the, the facial hair. Yes. I got you. That's mm-hmm. all I need. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I should mention um, the movie that you are consultant on was a documentary by um, filmmaker Seth Breedlove, mm-hmm. who has a filming company called Small Town Monsters. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it. If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. Just search for Minerva Monsters and and you can see the film. And um, one thing that impressed me with the story was Deputy Shannon um, saying that these people were so terrified that he ended up hanging out with them for a couple of hours just to keep reassuring them. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking... If, if you're in his position, you're probably really good at reading people. Mm-hmm. And if he is seeing genuine, I think he would be able to see fake fear. Yes. You know, if they were trying to pull something over. Yes. And if he was that convinced mm-hmm. that they were fearful of this thing, that, that he had to hang around and just put them at ease, that, that says a lot to me. Yes. And every time he came back,
2: it was the same. They always had the same story. They um, always
0: were appreciative of his coming to well, You know what, and I can say the same thing of you as yeah. a reporter. I mean, you're trained to be mm-hmm. an observer, yes. to read personalities and mm-hmm. characters, and, and did you feel the same way? Absolutely. That no these way these guys are exaggerating. Were salt
2: of the earth. Um, people, um, yes, just really down-to-earth, really good people, and they were not making this up. They were genuinely terrified. They were genuinely concerned about this, and... Um,
0: never changed their story, and that's what impressed us. Now, in uh, Seth Breedlove's documentary, uh, he interviewed at least three other people Mm -hmm. who had seen this thing as kids. Yes, and some of them were in the 50s. uh,
2: Okay, so even 20 years before this signing. 20 years before that. Did you um, interview any of them? No, um, I was not aware of them at the time. Okay. Um,
0: Yeah, we had a... uh, Uh, John Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he was ten. I think he was maybe one in the fifties. Mm-hmm. He talks about claw marks in the house. Yes,
2: and talking about his dad going out to
0: the outhouse,
2: which is all they had around here then, and uh, seeing this thing in the little window of the outhouse and being terrified and running back in the house and getting a shotgun. And yeah, he
0: said his dad stayed up all night with all that night, shotgun, with the shotgun so, waiting. Yeah. So yes. And then there was a Scott Finnegan. He said he was eight at the time, mm-hmm. and his dad had reported seeing this thing. And then he himself, when he was 15, he mm-hmm. was out fishing on a boat. Mm-hmm. Do you remember his story?
2: Yes, I remember his story. And uh, he said he and his friend saw it and went running, screaming to his house or something. Mm-hmm. And his mom said, Yeah, I don't believe you. You know, go back outside. And, and they were just terrified, and they said the thing kind of chased them. Uh, so they you know, went back, they went back to out. sacrifice themselves to the Kraken. <laughs> and that it yes, chased that's them. What it was like in those days you were just, you know, your mom locked yeah. the door no, go out and Don't play. Get
1: back
0: out there. Get back out there. Don't be a wuss. Go
1: play catch with it. Uh,
0: he said that there was a a reputation for that area where they they had been calling it the hairy witch.
2: Yes, the hairy witch, I guess. And again, that was the name for it back in the 50s and 60s apparently. And then in the '70s, it was the creature, the hairy creature. But they never called it Bigfoot; they just called it the hairy, the hairy thing or the hairy creature.
0: I really want to know what this thing is. There's something there. I want to know. Obviously, something there. Can't explain what it is, but yeah, that, that is wild. So the the story kind of died down, but the. Creature did not actually disappear, right? You ended there's, up doing an anniversary story, and they were mm-hmm. reporting. What did they report? Were they still physically seeing it? Um,
2: sometimes they were still getting rocks on their house, and uh, sometimes, as I said, they would put the mom would put vegetables out on purpose, and they would be gone the next morning. And there's some. What's there was, the rock thing? Put, don't know, but uh, is there a theory? There's, did it want the attention it's another thing that is associated sometimes with bigfoot sightings along with the smell
0: does anybody have
2: a theory on what it is are they not like trying to get attention not like look over here maybe they're they're trying to you know make some connection I don't know.
1: when you were when you were over there uh, you know waiting on the the porch seeing if did you experience anything that was kind of awkward
2: no, no, it just seemed Did the crickets quickly. fall silent? The, or? Yeah, the crickets always fell silent. Whatever night noises in, in August, it's pretty loud around here with all the crickets and the, and the cicadas and everything else. And whenever they would see this thing, um, the crickets would be quiet and there would be silence. Did that ever happen Along when you were smell. on the porch? It, no,
0: unfortunately. So you never weather, got the smell? Never got you the, the smell. You've so, got to be supremely disappointed.
2: Yes, I was kind of disappointed and...
3: Yeah, wow.
2: But not not because we didn't try. We were there. For how quite many nights? I mean, oh, I don't even know. Do we were for weeks. I would say we were down there on a regular basis. After work, we would just go down and.
0: I mean, they must sit. not live all that far from you. No, you?
2: they're they're probably not even fifteen minutes.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's just sort of like I finish my shift. Mm-hmm. Let me go sit on the porch and yeah, see if, so Ted, if the Ted creature sometimes
2: comes come down and Deputy Shannon would sometimes go down and we would just sit on the porch and see what we can see and talk to the Catons and yeah, so we kind of became friends.
0: Wow. that's kind of neat. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 seven customer support, his venue never misses a beat call quitgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done
3: so give me your feelings what what do you think i
1: mean i know you're a journalist uh what do you do you believe that there's something out there or do you really believe that these people just seen
0: something and... and that there's a more practical explanation i
2: cannot find the practical explanation Um, I have no doubt that these people saw it, and there have been recent sightings, I think, in the documentary. Um, There's a a fellow who was out hunting, and even somebody I know who uh, lives in a a wooded area around that um, place um, thinks he saw it, too, in recent years. Um, I cannot explain what it is or why there is no body... Ever found yeah. or no evidence? That's ever what found. I was going to bring up
1: is that, you know, people who are in the Bigfoot, you think we would see some bodies. We would you see know, a body, and
0: every body that they've found so far has to be a hope. But you know, somebody right. else told me once how many times you're walking through the woods and you find skeletons of animals? Mm-hmm. You don't. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. You don't. So if it dies in the woods, you know, unless it's on a path that somebody's coming across, it may have the time to. Decompose, be ferreted away by other animals. You know, Most likely right, ferreted we find away. By other animals.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, we have woods back here and, and we find deer sheds and, and skeletons occasionally and okay. things like that. So, you know, the hunters are around
0: here and as well as the farmers. That's I'm um, talking like a city girl. <laughs> right. You know what? I've never seen a dead animal skeleton laying in the middle of that out across. So <laughs> fortunately i Oh wait a minute! In Akron? No, yeah. not inaccurate.
1: Okay. I think one of the most convincing things is that you know the family wouldn't really put themselves through this mm-hmm. if it was if it was made up.
2: Yes, because they got so much grief afterward. I think
1: this area, the, these people out here are a little mean. I, didn't we cover a case with uh, the UFO and those people were like? being bullied and picked on because they seen a ufo out in this area i'm mm-hmm.
0: not i'm not i'm not giving that to minerva <laughs> minerva didn't pick on those people
1: well what's but that? it's very close it's very close it's
0: just right and you know, know. what this podcast is running before that podcast so you uh, just gave away one well, of our podcasts that off,
2: <laughs> well that's all right leave it as a teaser to me as a reporter is that i called malone college so what happened to these hair samples did you we never got any hair samples. When did you call them? Oh, at that time? You know, at that time and I was trying to follow So the story. in seventy eight. Yeah, in seventy eight. And then I would call down to the Minerva Village Hall and talk to people there and Oh, that's not even anywhere near Minerva. It was right
0: outside the village limits. Yeah, men
1: in Black came in and took away the hair yeah. samples.
0: But Malone um, <laughs> Those Wright Patterson Air Force people that poo pooed the UFOs. Don't give any clues to oh, our
1: next podcast. No, so we're
2: what not, are you talking about? Yeah, Malone College that. disassociated themselves, just about any knowledge wow. of any samples. Wow. And the village kept distancing itself. Oh, that's nowhere near us. And we have nothing to do with it. And, you Isn't know, that pushing, pushing it away. People,
0: what is it? Why do humans react festival. that way? <laughs> and now you have, OK, this is a good point. So eventually, Minerva came to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And the way the Rogues Hollow people yeah. came to embrace exactly. you know, their reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys had a festival for how many years? Um,
2: When the movie came out, and then they decided to make a festival for a couple of days. And then I think it was the year after, too. And I think there was supposed to be one this year, but uh, unfortunately they canceled it because they had something, a brew fest or something going on instead. So um, it was supposed to be an annual event. And if you go into Kishman's grocery store... Um, there's a picture of the owner and his wife of a life-size picture of the what they call the Minerva Monster is a giant hoagie. So um, what is a hoagie? Hoagie sandwich. Oh, a like hoagie. Man, I want a Minerva Monster. Submarine sandwich. <laughs> yes. You
0: know what? He's a vegetarian. I'm not sure you should be naming meat. He likes uh, it, so so, yeah, he would mm-hmm. not like that. Maybe a nice salad. Mm-hmm. Right. But nice. But we have Minerva Monster T-shirt. How about a salad ammonia? that smells of ammonia? We work that out. That would be nasty. so. T-shirts, yeah. T-shirts
2: and yeah, mugs and the whole.
0: I love the movie oh, poster. Yes. That was very yes. That came out really well.
2: Yes, and the fact that I was in the movie, I think, was even scarier than the whole monster concept. But uh, I was. You were amazing, way too and much. you know
0: what? You're yeah. as much a part of the story as anything because you were there, and. Other media at first they were hesitant to jump they on board they didn't want to right? jump on
2: board and the, the
0: repository didn't get in until Why like, do you think that was? We think later they just did it, just, oh, it too was weird just, this is too weird this is too crazy it's obviously a hoax. Wow. So they didn't report it for a while. And you gave them a voice which is what journalism does. You I give guess, voice yeah. to people who don't normally have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that and yeah. because you did if you hadn't, who knows, the Minerva Nut monster would not be around. No, probably that, wouldn't as, be. A, probably as a
1: legend. You, you, you said you, were, you went out to where this bedding was, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to go dig there. I bet you the, I bet you the lost French gold is there.
0: Ooh, oh. yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Could, Could be. Could be. All right. There you I go. I think we're putting that to, Wait a minute. You just gave another <laughs> world podcast. Uh, yeah, that one will
1: come out Yeah. this
0: one. If he, You would have heard our French gold podcast by now.
1: Right. Well, Minerva
0: from, is obviously a cool place because i have been here twice. So. Well, from the
2: journalism point of view, though, and even though this was, you know, as a cub reporter 40 years ago, it has apparently become the highlight of my journalism career. You know, never mind that I went to Haiti and Israel and interviewed Mother Teresa and interviewed you interviewed Bissell Mother
1: Teresa? Wow. None of that
2: matters. I am only known for the Minerva Monster Oh, stories. isn't that funny?
1: You, you interview <laughs> one of the most important women in history... And you're known for the Minerva Monster. I am known for the
2: Minerva Monster, yes. Wow. That is the highlight of my journalistic career now. I'm
1: sorry, we are Ohio Mysteries, so.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> Thank goodness for mysteries, or we wouldn't have a podcast. That's right. If you could meet the Minerva Monster, mm-hmm. and he could speak mm-hmm. as a reporter, what are your like top two questions for him?
2: Um, or her what is your purpose and why are you so
0: shy that's a good question i like that second question i I have
1: the answer to the second question because of the people with the bear and the shotgun yeah
0: (laughs) yeah okay you did you just solved that Mm -hmm. (laughs) mystery songs yes although apparently he doesn't know what the shotgun is because he did not flinch Mm -hmm. on that that's true which i find fascinating
1: that's it for tonight campers If you want to know more about the Minerva Monster, check out the photos, news clippings, and links on ohiomysteries.com. If you like our podcast, please spread the word. We are on Facebook and Twitter and would be so grateful if you would like, follow, share, or retweet us to your friends and family. Heck, all of it. Would love to have them join us. And if you really like our podcast, our website has a link to our Patreon page, where you can support us for as little as a dollar a month, and we'll give you a shout out right here. Any money we get goes towards equipment, server fees, and research costs.
0: That brings us to tonight's featured musical artist, Daniel Rylander. Daniel has been involved in several Northeast Ohio bands over the years as a drummer, vocalist, and primary lyricist. And because he wanted to be fuller involved in his songwriting, he even taught himself to play the piano, guitar, and ukulele. Do you play an instrument, Steve? Um, I'm not going to
1: comment. I did play the guitar, but I did play the clarinet when I was a kid. The clarinet? There's nothing
0: wrong with that. Yes, there is. Make it some music. (laughs) sadly daniel's older brother david was killed in action in afghanistan in 2012 and that led him to record a song called a friend and brother and that set in motion a whole series of things that led to daniel back into the studio and recording some full-length albums so go check out his music at www.danielrylander.com. Let me spell that for you, because I always hate when people don't spell out websites, and I'm like, how do you spell that? Right. So it's Daniel and the last name R Y L A N D E R dot com. And if you want to see Daniel in person, you can check him out at the Barrel Run Winery in Rootstown on October 27, and at Compass Coffee in Akron on October
1: 31. Uh, 27th. That's my birthday.
0: Oh, maybe I'll take you there for your birthday.
1: (laughs) But as always, if you can't remember any of those details or just some of it, go to ohiomysteries.com and look under our featured music link. It's a one-stop shop there. For now, we'll leave you with the full version of the song right now. And we'll see you back here next week.
3: gets colder here every summer the winters are longer than the distance between the flat i could catch from here to california and stand in your doorway the light in your eyes